You are listening to Fellowship Around the Table. Welcome to another week of Fellowship Around the Table. We've got a few more people around the table today, not our normal two, but two guests. I have Scott L. Johnson, which who you all remember going through the book of Job, and he's here today to talk about marriage. And so yep. I brought in my wife, Shay Casey, and we don't know what, what, he, what he's going to do. You this guys are very, very brave. Very scary. You guys are Scott's very brave. Scott's the scariest man I know. Right? <laughs> Heath or me? <laughs> no, I don't think you could classify either of you as scary. The topic, Good. maybe. The topic. So Scott, take it away. Well, so I thought it might be interesting if we review the material that I teach but if we engage with it with you as a couple. So rather than you asking me questions, I'll, ex- I'll go through the material and let you respond to it. And since we're talking about marriage, we're going to get real about a couple things. And you don't, you don't have to get too real. Are you nervous, you, Shay? Yes. <laughs> you, you only have to get as real as you're comfortable getting. Right. Uh, but let's do that. Does that sound all right? I love it. Sounds good. I like to start with perspectives for resolving conflict in marriage, guidelines for resolving conflict, because I think when couples follow the sheets, the questions that I'm going to ask them to talk to each other about, sometimes that becomes a source of conflict, and I like to try to head that off. So let me say my wife and I have been, over the years we've been married, which is 41 years, we've been to many marriage seminars, and we've learned lots of techniques for resolving conflict or for addressing it. For example, the sandwich technique, where you say, hey, honey, this is something I really love about you. This is something I have uh, – this is a problem for me right now, and this is something else I really love about the, you. The compliment, yeah, the compliment sandwich. sandwich. Yeah, the compliment sandwich. But the, and that's fine. I don't have any problem with that. Yeah. But I think if you use it every time your partner gets conditioned, every time yes. you tell them something you like, they know there's a complaint that coming. Dog. The, right? but the complaint's coming. That's right. That's right. But there's, you know, still yeah. it's a sandwich, it's, it's so a sandwich. I don't have any yeah. problem with that. Yeah. I also remember learning about I statements, like never to say, you always do this or you always do that. Mm. When you do this, I feel like this. Okay. Okay. I have no problem with any of those, but I would submit to you they're not biblical. They're not unbiblical. Okay. They're just not – they don't relate to anything in the scriptures. The scriptures don't say this is how you should bring something up. Okay. So instead, I think it's critical for both a husband and a wife to have some principles in mind about their marriage and about each other as they're approaching conflict. So I'd like to start with that, especially for those who are listening to the podcast yeah. who may be struggling a little bit with some of these sort of – stereotypical problems that we get into in our thinking processes about marriage or about our mate more particularly. Sure. So let's start there. Okay. Sounds good. So first point is, and this is what, let me just clarify again, this is what I think we need to have in our mind. This is the paradigm that we need to have in our mind about our marriage and about our mate as we approach any sort of conflict. We should have it all the time, but we should especially have it as we're approaching conflict. So point number one in this paradigm is, I am all in. Hmm. I am committed to my spouse and to our marriage. I am not going anywhere. Yeah. So before we even start to address a conflict, in our mind, we need to say, this is not about separating. This is not about the wheels coming off. Mm-hmm. I am. That is a given. That's that is right. a foregone conclusion. So 
First of all, I'd like for you guys to read the verses. You've got a couple verses there. Heath, why don't you read the Malachi verse, and then Shay, you can read the Matthew verse. All right, Malachi 2.16. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. And Matthew 19, 4 through 6 says, Haven't you read, Jesus replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So that's just a biblical basis for this commitment as we enter a conflict or we begin to resolve a problem that I'm just not going anywhere. It's not... That's not an option. So what are your thoughts about that? I think that's foundational, right? <laughs> I mean, you made vows for a reason. So, <laughs> yeah, if, if leaving was always on the table, that would be a really shaky yes, shaky foundation to yeah. do anything with. Yeah. And I would even further say if leaving seems to you like it's on the table, even in one situation, right. that just has to get purged. Yeah. Like yeah. that just has to be purged from your thought process going into it. Mm, that's so good. Yeah. Okay, so number two, I'm going to read this from the husband's perspective, since I'm the husband. My wife is not my enemy. Quite the contrary, she is, to me, the most important person on the planet. We are on the same team. Mm -hmm. Now, let me give you an example. How often... Do, do you ask your spouse to do something? Maybe maybe just as an example, I say, honey, could you get some Thousand Island salad dressing? Okay. And at the end of the week, there's no Thousand Island salad dressing in the refrigerator. Mm. Do I start to think she's doing it on purpose? She's needling me? She's ignoring me intentionally? Or do I give her some grace and say, look, she just forgot to get – I mean, what's the big deal? I could stop and get Thousand Island salad dressing, right? <laughs> How do we sometimes magnify these things into much more than they are? And we begin to see our spouse as somehow our antagonist or our enemy. And that I think happens. that's very that dangerous. Does. It is dangerous, but it, it, it sneakily happens in your yeah. mind. Yeah. I would guess a lot of people that will be listening to this podcast will say, yep. 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 That's I'm one. where I am. Yeah, I've yeah. done that. Yeah. So it wasn't Thousand Island salad dressing. It's though. Chick-fil-A sauce. Chick-fil-A sauce. <laughs> it is not. That's, not <laughs> me. that's, that's the, the kids. Okay, Island, wait, that's my kids. It? Yeah. That's the kids are like, my mom Chick-fil-A hates sauce. me. She doesn't get Chick-fil-A mm-hmm. sauce. <laughs> she only has ketchup and it's gross. That's fantastic. <laughs> so he read the Genesis. Yeah, Genesis two twenty four. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united with his wife, and they become one. So you're on, I mean, if you're one and united, you're on one team. Yeah. One team. The way God looks one at it. One is one team. Shay? And then Philippians 2.2 2 says, Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. So, I mean, we're on one team. And Paul there in Philippians isn't writing about marriage. He's writing about Christianity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But where should that be more evident than in a marriage yeah. where we're one? Which is a covenant designed by God. That's right. That's getting back to your Genesis passage. A very specific, very narrow, very deep covenant. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the second point. Number three, I've been assigned by God to take care of my wife, who is his child, and to whom I am joined by him. Like, I need to see myself as being on assignment. I have an assignment from God, and the wife has an assignment from God to take care of her husband. So Heath, read the Jeremiah Yeah, Jeremiah 31.1, the Lord appeared to us in the past. He said, I have loved you with a love that lasts forever. 
I have kept on loving you with a kindness that never fails. And this is this NIRV, which is the New International right. Reader's Version. So the <laughs> NIV is kind of my go-to. Uh-huh. The NIRV is actually sort of a more elementary age. That's what we use for the kids sometimes. Version of it. And yeah. honestly, I, I love it a lot of times. <laughs> and I remember at, at our church, Fellowship Bible Church, years ago, an elder at that time preached a sermon, and he, he talked about this idea of loving kindness being proactive. It doesn't wait mm. on the other person. Yeah. It's not just ready to respond. It's reaching into the other person's life ahead of time, like in advance. Mm. And so I'd like to just give a short example of this this morning. I was looking for a particular coffee cup, and I couldn't find the <laughs> lid that went to this particular <laughs> travel so I'm looking in the drawer. I'm looking in the cabinet. I'm thinking, where on earth could this thing be? I just mentioned it to my wife. And next thing I know, she's in the kitchen looking for it, and she found it. And that's what I mean, that's who she is. Mm. You know, she reaches into the issue and into the problem and just comes to my aid, however she feels she can do that. I love that thought that kindness is not just some how you react to something, right. but it's proactive right. and action-oriented. Yeah. Mm, that's yeah. good. Okay, so number four, and I think this is so important. We have an actual enemy. Okay, so not only is our spouse not our enemy, we have an enemy. And I think a lot of times we forget that. That enemy is very powerful and wants to destroy our marriage. He wants to isolate us from God and and isolate us from our spouse. And he's out there. You know, th- yeah, that's that's so helpful because you're talking about there's some this is all about resolving conflict. Yeah. And there's conflict and how often you know, even as Christians in our marriage, do we think there's a spiritual battle going on with this conflict? Right. It's, a lot of times that never even enters our mind. It doesn't enter my mind. Yeah. I need to teach this every day so I can remember. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. So, Shay, why don't you read the First Peter 5, 8 passage? Sure. Be alert. Be on watch. Your enemy, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. One nuance to this passage that I think is interesting Peter describes the devil as a roaring lion, and lions do roar, but when they're on the hunt, they're not roaring. Oh. They're very stealthy. Yes. They're very quiet. Yeah. They're very careful, and they will sneak up and wait for the opportune moment, and they will pounce. Yeah. And when they're done, they're roaring, but they're not roaring. I mean, if you heard the lion roaring, you're gone. Yeah. And he knows that. Yeah. So. Yeah. They're very stealthy in that process, and I think his ascribing lion-like attributes to Satan is very, very relevant and very important for us to understand. De- yeah. A deceiver and a liar. That's so another you, talk. This is a po- yeah. podcast for another day, yeah, but you had a great talk on our enemy, yeah. and that I remember that being very eye-opening to me. Like, I forget that that is a real battle going yeah. on all the time. All the time. I assign those type of things to people in my life occasionally yeah. when it's it's Satan. Mm. And he's really good at what he does. Yeah. We, we don't want to get off on the rabbit trail, but he's really good at what he does. He's been doing it for a long time. And if we think yeah. he's easy for us to ignore, we, we ignore him at our own peril. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So we have an actual enemy. Our spouse is not the enemy. Number five, our enemy wants me to react in a self-centered way. I can and must choose selflessness. Try to say that five times. I can and must choose selflessness. I love that. Yeah, this one's not a problem for me. (laughs) (laughs) 
And Shay looks like none she's of in us. agreement it's with not that. A oh my yeah. goodness, anyway. this yeah. one is. Uh, That's, this is like yeah. the number one. I like that you said I can. <laughs> right. Yes. Choose self selflessness. Yeah. And I, I can tell you, uh, anyone who thinks I teach this because I have it down is sadly mistaken. <laughs> and I'm the saddest one about how mistaken that they are. So I can't remember who read the last verse. Was it you, Shay? It's Heath's yeah. turn. Okay, yeah. so Heath, go ahead. Yeah, Philippians two three, do nothing. Out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves. It's pretty simple. I mean, that's a pretty compact passage right there in that verse. But it's all inclusive. Nothing mm-hmm. from selfish ambition. Mm-hmm. That's not the culture we live in. No. Yeah. It's not where I live either. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. So number six, what does my spouse, what does my wife really need in this situation? How can I find out in a gentle way? Mm. Mm, gentle way. So when we come to a conflict, what are we thinking about? What I want. Me. (laughs) That's exactly right. We're thinking about my problem. What I didn't get, what I want. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The Thousand Island dressing. I I made the salad. I opened the fridge. It's not there. It's not there again. (laughs) Again. 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 Right? And by the way, I have not asked my wife to buy Thousand Island. Right, right, right. Somebody's going to like you, Thousand Island. I know. But that's exactly what we're thinking. And, you know, Heath, you and I are both in the business world. Mm -hmm. In the business world, you learn that when you're negotiating something, the most important thing to find out is what's on the other guy's mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you can find that out, it gives you a chance to craft a deal of some kind that works for both people. Right. But most people in business don't understand that either. So they go Mm -hmm. in, I got to get this price. I got to get this delivery. I got to get this particular item. Right. And they're not thinking about finding out what's on the other guy's mind. And that's just, it's elementary in terms of negotiating. Yep. But this is exactly the same way. Wow. And it's biblical, <laughs> right? We need to and find out. if you out. don't ask. If you, you don't ask. You might just fill it in with what you would want that's in that right. situation, which is not always yeah. the case. <laughs> or worse, you assume they would yes, want the same thing exactly. and then you can't understand why that like, wouldn't why would be the you case. Not like this? Yes. That was always profound early on for us for doing the love languages and yes. realizing that your first instinct is trying to love that person on how you want to be. Yes. That's right. And they That's may exactly not perceive right. that as mm-hmm. as being That's exactly. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so did we read that Philippians passage already? No. We- did not. No. Okay, so I think it's your okay. turn, Shay. Philippians 2.4. None of you should look out just for your own good. Each of you should also look out for the good of others. Mm. Philippians 2.4. Yep. And then I'll have you read this passage, Heath, but before you read this, I'm going to say, I think this next verse, it's really it's really the first one, James 1.19, I think is the most compact, succinct, practical life advice in all of the scriptures. Wow. I think if all of us did this, everything would go better. I mean, just worldwide. This is a blanket statement. Mm. So certainly in our marriages, if we could do this, lots of things would go better. Okay. So go ahead and read that. James 1, 19 through 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Okay. So James, James to me, I describe James as the in-your-face book. Yep. He's in your face pretty much from one end to the other. So he gives us an order of operations here. Mm -hmm. What's our normal order of operations? Something happens. 
your wife didn't get the Thousand Island dressing <laughs> or your kid does something. Yeah. Right? Yep. And you look at it and you know the kid's not supposed to do that. What's the first thing we do? Come angry. We get angry. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then what do we do? Then say things we should say things. We start are, talking yes. a lot. Yes. And at a faster pitch, you know raised voice. More words per minute, raised yeah. voice, all the above. And how much listening are we doing then? <laughs> Very little real right. listening. Yeah. We're doing some listening so that we can anticipate how we're going to rebut whatever it is the person <laughs> yeah. said. Right? You're not listening. You're pre- you're preparing what you're gonna say. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. And James basically tells us, look, your normal order of operations is bass backwards. Can I say that? <laughs> yes. You can edit that out if you need to. But it is bass backwards. Yep. You need to be going at this exactly the opposite way. And I won't take the time now to give you the examples, but I can tell you in my parenting, I had many cases where I got angry, but I stopped and talked to the kids to find out what they were thinking. Mm. And when I learned what they were thinking, I realized it wasn't what I had thought. Mm-hmm. Mm. So if I had dealt with it the way I initially wanted to deal with it, <laughs> it would have been a big mistake. So our instinct is anger, talking, and maybe listening. That's if we right. even get to that step, James says, no. That's right. Listen. Listen first. Slow quick to speak. Quick to listen. Yeah, quick Slow to listen. Slow to speak. Which means you have time to think about what right, you're hearing, right? And then slow to become and, yeah, angry. Yeah, and careful with your words. And he doesn't say to never become angry. Right. He says we should be. That should be last. Yeah. We need to carefully process this and then evaluate. And Jesus got angry, but not very often. Yeah, you develop that reputation of being quick to anger, and everybody around you in your life walks on eggshells. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. They learn that. Yeah. And also, you won't get feedback that you really could use that could be really valuable mm. to you from those people that are most important to you, if you're prone to that. Yep, so number seven, can I meet my spouse's need? From the husband's standpoint, can I meet her need? If I can't meet her need, how can I help her somehow? Hmm. So, Shay, read the Matthew passage. Matthew 20, 25 through 28. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Basically, again, we're, we're back to the idea of serving the other person. Yeah. Reaching into their life and find out what can I do to help them. Mm-hmm. Huh. So that's the seventh point. The last point is, I would die trying to save my wife. I love... This Because I'll ask people in the group, how many of you would die trying to save your spouse? Hmm. It is interesting how many people sort of aren't sure. Like, they're not sure if they're going to raise their hands or not. Was he wanting us to raise our hands? Is this rhetorical? Yeah, that's right. Well, so, it's always rhetorical in that moment. Yeah. But, you know, hopefully none of us will ever have to do that. Sure. Right? Yeah. Very few of us are ever going to actually face that question. But I think most of us would say, yeah, I'd run back into the burning house to try mm-hmm. to to try to save my wife yep. or try to save my husband. Fortunately, most of us are never going to have to do that. Right. So that begs the question, are we willing to live for our spouse? Wow. Are we willing to commit (laughs) to our spouse at that level, but in simple everyday life? And this comes from Bruce Ewing, who was the pastor of our church for a long time. He used to say from the pulpit, I heard him say this many times, (laughs) I would die for my wife, 
But am I willing to take the trash out on Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> Great. And so that's oh, the, the question is, you know, if we're willing to die for them, yeah. look, we're not probably going to have to do that. T- take out the trash doesn't seem like that big of a deal when you're when you would die for them. That's right. Yeah. That's well, exactly Well, depends right. on what down it is on the Chiefs football game, but yeah. <laughs> 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 So Heath, I'll let you read that one. All right, John fifteen thirteen. Greater love has no one than this to lay one's life down for one's friends. So the the analogy or the kind of reverse psychology is we know that's the greatest love to lay mm-hmm. one's life down. We know that's what Jesus did for us, but He also lives for us today. And so, are we willing to to live for our spouse? Are we willing to be proactive? Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you a question. I'm kind of putting you on the spot a little bit here because <laughs> we haven't rehearsed any of this. No. So what's missing from this list? If we're talking about approaching a conflict and resolving a conflict and you've got a problem, what's missing from this list? I'm, I, Shay, do you have something? I, I don't, nothing um, jumps off at me. I kind of love this because <laughs> you, I think you're focused on what this paradigm is now. Yes. yes. And if you're focused on this paradigm going into a conflict, I think that's excellent. And I'm not here to tell you that I always do this well. <laughs> But what's missing from this is, how do I approach my problem? Mm. And the reason that's missing is there isn't anything in the Bible about that. Mm. There's nothing in the Bible that says to us, if you have a problem, here's how you should deal with it with other people. What's in the Bible is all about one another's. Mm -hmm. It's all about holding somebody else as more important than yourself. Right. So even if you have a problem, my emphatic advice is to adopt these eight principles as you're going into describing your problem. Make sure you remember your wife isn't the enemy. Mm-hmm. You are committed. You're not going anywhere. You have an enemy that wants to use this to bust the two of you apart. Yeah. The enemy wants you to be self-centered. You need to be selfless even as you're explaining your problem and asking for help and solving it. You need to reach into your spouse's life and find out why – why is this a problem for me? Is this a problem for them in some way I don't really understand? Yeah. And just have, you know, that whole be quick to listen attitude about all this. So what's missing is how you deal with your own problem. I don't really care how you put your own problem on the table. You can use the sandwich technique. You can use the, when you do this, I feel this way technique. What's important to me is that you have this, the four corners of this paradigm in your mind as you're doing whatever technique you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so sense. good. It, yeah, it makes a huge difference when you have this in mind mm-hmm. and maintain that. <laughs> yeah, and maintain that. Yeah. Which is, I need to listen to this podcast myself. I know. Yeah. It's going to be a, a great tool in the toolkit. Good. To reach out and grab. Thank you for this. I, I This is so helpful. I love this framework and I know it'll be helpful to a lot of people in their marriage. I sure hope so. Yeah. So, Set us up next week. We're going to continue with this amateur marriage panel. That's right. (laughs) Including me. (laughs) Including you. Me included. So for the next two podcasts, in one, I'm going to speak to the wives. Okay. For our purposes, I'll speak to Shay about what Heath, you probably wish that she knew about men and about you specifically. And then in the next one after that, I'm going to talk to you, Heath, on Shay's behalf. All right. And talk to the men that will be listening to the podcast on behalf of their wives about what their wives probably think they should already know. 
and probably think they've told their husbands a hundred times and they're not paying any attention. No, husbands are supposed to read your mind. That's yeah, correct. Right. That's <laughs> right. That's exactly That's right. Really think. Heath, just say yes. Just say yes. Maybe yes, dear, would be even better. Yes, dear. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's exactly right. Well, that's so much fun. I'm looking forward to the next two weeks. So thank you all for joining us. I hope you have plenty of Thousand Island dressing in your fridge. <laughs> have a great week. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining Fellowship Around the Table. If you'd like to learn more, go to fbctulsa.org. The, the noises people make, like, <laughs> the noises.